Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we've got, I think, one of the most important subjects that we've ever really taken on in this podcast. And to do that, we have some help here from Eric Steele. Now, Eric, you're the CRO at a company called Source Advisors. But what we're going to be talking about today applies to basically anybody in the C-suite role here, anybody that's supporting the overall go-to-market revenue engine that you're creating inside of the company. In fact, that's the title is, right, the future of the B2B revenue engine. So I would love to, to have you um, explain a little bit more about yourself. I know that you, you spent a lot of years, 15 years at Forrester and and really digging in into that sales and marketing and customer success alignment and creating the future of that revenue engine for B2B companies. So you've got a lot to, to talk about, but maybe if you could just spend a, a minute or so here expanding a little bit more on your background and what you're doing currently now at Source Advisors. Sure. Steve, thank you so much. What a great opportunity to, to chat with you. Uh, and yes, uh, I am the CRO at Source Advisors. Uh, really a great company. It's been around for over 40 years, helping CPAs and their clients really navigate the ever-increasing complexity of taxes and uh, really helping them unlock, you know, cash flow to generate growth. And so we we help clients in a variety of areas, uh, R&D tax credits, cost segregation, energy services, state and local tax. Uh, prior to this, I've spent uh, about 15 years Forrester, which was really a, a wonderful time because I was surrounded by the likes of Mary Shea, James McQuivy, Andy Orr, uh, analysts that were really on the front lines of really predicting the future of B2B marketing, B2B sales, uh, the empowered consumer, the ever-changing B2B buyer. And, and during that time, I got to work with uh, hundreds of our clients and uh, many, many great analysts to understand where customers are headed and all of it pointed to total alignment in the revenue engine. Um, just like B2C uh, buyers, B B2B buyers are now completely in the driver's seat. You know, they, they are oftentimes more knowledgeable about uh, your service and pricing than sometimes maybe a newer sales rep is at the company. They're doing an enormous amount of research before you even have that first call. And there are really high expectations. If B2B buyers uh, expect a sales rep, once they do talk to them, to know their business, to lead with insight, uh, to, to, to understand the outcomes that their business could achieve in working with that firm, and to pivot to talk about anything they want to talk about. And that's from uh, some great research that Mary Shea did at Forrester. Uh, and I think at the time she had said that 74% of the buyers, sorry, 74% of the sellers that embody those traits would, would win that deal, if you will. Um, and it just showed how consultative and value leading and insights driven you needed to be as a sales rep. Now that's several years ago, that's only continued to, to be perpetuated and grow. Um, and so my core belief, and this is also shared by Warren Zinnett, who I know is a, a mutual friend. And Warren heads up the CRO Collective, which I've been a part of. Uh, Warren, I think, has a great vision that is in alignment with, with what I believe in that the future of the revenue engine is total seamless alignment. You know, 
sales, marketing, customer success, one team, one dream, uh, common metrics, common goals, common vision. And you know, I think that's, that's where things are headed. And I will say at Source Advisors, what is so incredible is Chris Henderson, our CEO and uh, BV Investment Partners, which is our, our private equity sponsor, they had the foresight to want to build that here. And so I walked into a situation at Source Advisors where that is my remit is, is sales, marketing, customer success. And I stand alongside an incredible team, Layla Rayburn, uh, Sarah Richardson, Dave Murphy, Joe Sullivan, Michael Warity, uh, Penny Bell. There's a, a group of us that, uh, Josh Henry, who make up this, this revenue engine, Sean Bartlett, uh, and we're, we're in lockstep and it is all about our company goals, uh, our clients goals and, and putting them first and, uh, achieving some, you know, scalable, uh, growth. So that's a lot to, but, uh, kicking it off there, I guess. Well, so a couple of things that are really important, right? Because sometimes we hear something so much that it loses meaning, yeah. right? As a salesperson, having the trusted advisor status, right? Being able to educate, being able to pivot, like you talked about, being having that, that expertise that the seller looks at you as somebody that can help them in their career, in their jobs, and the problems that they're facing every day, even if that expands beyond the scope of the products or services, the tech that you might be representing, right? That's what they want. And so the trusted advisor status, you know, we hear about that all the time and we can't downplay it just because of its familiarity, right? And it's important what we're doing. Oh, it's, it's essential. And that trusted partner, trusted advisor status has to, to go through the whole funnel, right? It, it is the, the trust, uh, that you establish through your, your, you know, your marketing and, and the brand equity. And it's the trust that's established in an initial conversation with an SDR, with a sales rep. It's the trust throughout that entire process and through the delivery of the service and the continued relationship. It's got to, and that, that's not easy, you know, and, and I think you have to have great people and a clear vision around why that's important. Um, and, and it's source what's so amazing and what, really one of the reasons that maybe the driver for why I wanted to be here is in the DNA of the company for 40 years is a just inherent just passion to, to do right by the client. It's like, we, we are here to serve the client. We want to help them make sense of complicated issues. We want them to grow their business. Uh, it is just in the DNA of the place. And, and it's cool if there's a lot of, uh, of folks at our company that have been with the company for 30 years, 25 years, wow, 20 years. A lot that have boomeranged, left and come back. And I think at the root of a lot of that is that it, the company puts the client first, you know, uh, and, and because of that, I think the trust gets established and, and is maintained pretty, pretty strongly. Well, let me ask, this is the second, I think, big takeaway from your introduction here on the future of the B2B revenue engine. You talked about total alignment. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Great question. I think total alignment in the revenue organization, revenue engine means that there is one customer, one vision for how we serve, you know, 
retain, grow that customer. And each step along the way, marketing, sales, sales enablement, revenue operations, uh, the SDR engine or outreach engine, client success, each step along the funnel, there is a, a common vision for what we're doing, why we're doing it, where we're headed, what the goals are. And so no silos in terms of competing agendas, no silos in terms of uh, maybe goals that are out of alignment with each other. In fact, you know, our team has recently gone through our 2024 planning and we have very specific, really five OKRs as a group, as a revenue engine that are, are very specific to our business and serving our clients. And it's not like a marketing goal and a sales goal. It is, they are goals for our company that we each have a part in that all aim to serve the client and to grow the business. And so I think, um, I think that's, that, that is, I think the start of it is just no silos, no competing agendas, uh, just a wholly aligned revenue engine. I think of Pat Lencioni, uh, who, who is a, a great, great scholar, uh, and, and, uh, his book, the five dysfunctions of a team and the ideal team player, some of the great business books, uh, the Lencioni has a quote that is, uh, if a team is rowing together, they can truly rowing together, like totally aligned, rowing together. They can beat any competition in any industry at any time. I think he's right. I think a lot of times when a company maybe falls down is that, that there isn't that alignment and particularly within the revenue engine, I think we, we see that, you know, I think that's a common, uh, challenge is that maybe a lot of times it's siloed off. I love that analogy, by the way, the rowing. Uh, my father beat the Russians in the 1950s. He was on the crew. No they went, they competed and they beat the Russians. It was like one of the biggest things that happened. They made a movie about this, didn't they? Uh, I, I don't know if it was about that competition, okay. but it was a big deal. Right? I'm getting my rowing. I guess I'm getting my rowing films confused. <laughs> they should make a movie about that. That's awesome. But. One of the things that you've done at Source Advisors is that total alignment is ensured because basically you are in charge, right, of marketing and sales and customer service. So there's no competing C-level silos, right, that are happening. How important is that to create this alignment? And what's the analogy for the CRO that has a CMO counterpart, right? And, you know, they have equal stature in the C-suite and how do they come into an alignment? You know, how do, how do we take from what you've done and what you've learned and apply it across the board? Steve, it's a great question. And I'll start by saying, yeah, yes, uh, having a leader who's remit uh, is sales, marketing, customer success. I think it, it, it helps maybe advance that alignment faster. Right. Uh, and I am extremely lucky to have, uh, very talented leaders, Layla Rayburn, my, my counterpart with, with, with marketing, um, and, and Sarah Richardson and, and all the folks I named before, uh, where we have 
great respect, great, great trust with each other. Um, and you know, I will say that even if this, even if I was not leading the function, uh, it would be no less important to, to achieve that alignment. And I think it can be done through building strong relationships, building trust, um, having a, a influence leadership style where, uh, j just like in any company, I think when you've got cross-functional departments, spending the time to understand uh, what's important to that person, how it ties to the broader company vision and really doing the hard work to get the relationship aligned and built. But I do think uh, that having the, the structure in place certainly helps. It just helps because you, you know, there's clarity about it. And uh, not to say that, that, that a CRO whose focus is entirely just sales couldn't also establish alignment. I think absolutely they can. And, uh, and it's a great goal to pursue because ultimately it's going to serve the customer better. That's what it's all about, right? It's going to have ramifications that they will ultimately touch the customer, which is ultimately going to help the company grow. You know, I have this analogy, right? And there's no reason why competing C-suite individuals can't come together in alignment and have one go-to-market plan. Here's the analogy. If we can do it with our wives, we can do it. Right? We can do it in business, right? So, true. Yeah. I think the, yeah, the takeaway here is no matter what, as long as there's one plan, and it doesn't mean that somebody's on the outs and somebody else is on the in. It just means that we've collaborated together yes. to, you know, to accomplish the, the overall goals, which is the growth and success of the business, right? We're all there to do that. So I think that's a really important takeaway. Um, but I'm going to ask you one of the biggest roadblocks to having this happen, right? Mm. So lots of CROs are pretty much chief sales officers, right? Because that's their mm. primary role. And you've got quotas over your head that are very short term, right? But then you've got marketing, maybe a CMO, SVP, VP of marketing, and they have to help support that, right? But they're also trying to help, like we were talking about at the beginning, that trusted advisor status, right? The expertise of the company, right? That has that halo over, over everything that we do. Um, how do you reconcile that? And I know you, you talked a little bit about kind of the death in our previous conversations of the transactional B2B sale person. I think that kind of is a part of the answer here, mm. but that's what keeps total alignment traditionally happening in B2B organizations, this kind of short-term, long-term focus. And, and, and how do we reconcile that? Steve, it, it, it is such a great question. It's not the root of, you know, why this is hard, right? Because we're in business. We, we have growth goals. Um, as Woody Allen would say, if we're not growing, we're dying, you know, and, 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 uh, it's like the, the shark analogy, sharks always have to be moving. Right. And, and I think growth is actually really healthy. I think, I think everyone wants growth. I think you want to be in an organization that is overachieving is exceeding goals. All of that is good. Uh, quotas are good. Because I think there is a school of thought, I happen to share it, that one really important way to measure customer experience is revenue, right? If we are really delivering on the, the brand promise and 
delivering great service, we would expect to see that organic revenue growth, which is, you know, quotas are one way to, to measure. Um, having said that, uh, it, it does by nature of having those quotas get us into that, you know, short-term sprint. It got, got to achieve this, got to, got to run through a wall to get that. And, uh, and so I think, I think the, the way to, to think about this could be, um, as you look at quotas, recognizing that there is going to be input and support across the funnel from marketing, from success, from SDRs, uh, there will be a certain element that's self-generated by fire rep. And I think just having a really clear eyed view of the contribution from that revenue engine that will help that individual or that group overachieve the quota. Um, and that, that's a way that we certainly are, are looking at it right now is, is not that, Hey, there's a salesperson over here and they're you know, good luck, go take down the quota, but rather like we have goals as a company and we have this aligned revenue engine that's supporting each of those goals that are segmented out by those individual reps or teams. And, uh, there's a whole lot of support and there's a whole lot of help getting them there. And that could be a, a transition, uh, to, to that total alignment in the future. You know, uh, what does it look like? Gosh, I mean. I don't know. I, I, I started my career as a, I've been selling, you know, really my whole career and, and, um, started out my career making, you know, hundreds, thousands of cold calls and, you know, the old school approach. And, and, uh, I think that at the end of the day, there will always in B2B sales be an element of individual accountability and contribution. And I think that that's probably healthy. And I think that as we get to total alignment in the revenue engine, we're going to see an acknowledgement of the other pieces that are going to play in, in that, in that space to help that individual achieve. It'll be a shared accountability, um, could be a way to look at it, but to your point about the depth of a B2B salesman, I, like when you were, and I were talking, uh, there's great research. Gosh, I think it was back in maybe 2011 or 12, uh, that Andy Hoare uh, road, uh, looking at over the next, I think 10 to 15 years, the prediction that transactional sales folks would really go the way of, of the dinosaur, the Dodo bird. The reason for that being that as B2B buyers became more empowered, the transactional rep no longer has value in that new ecosystem. If all that that individual was doing was, you know, sharing a price and getting a contract signed. Uh, Andy was, was right. And the research was right then because we have seen, I think, not, not a loss of a bunch of sales jobs, but what we have seen is the other part of his research, which is an increase in consultative sellers in that modern B2B seller that now at their fingertips has intent data, has asset, you know, different insights that they can call on to, to lead with value to understand the business of the client, to show how the reps, you know, firms service can help them achieve certain outcomes. And, and we've seen certainly an uptick in, in professionalization of, of that role. Um, and I think that's a great thing. I think that's pushed people to grow and made people really stretch like what their capabilities are. And it's been great for clients. I think 
customers benefit from that too. You know, and you, you talk about shared accountability, you know, there's, hey, there's a way for sales that to look over, like say marketing and say, Hey, we're a feast or famine here, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're on a salary. You're going to, no matter what happens, you're going to probably get your salary. You're going to be okay. Right. You know, but we're like, we're slugging it out here. And so I think some of that shared accountability is, is interesting in terms of, you know, how does that happen? Um, but on the, on the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum here in terms of the short term, you know, as one revenue engine and you're, you're looking at all of that in all of your background at Forrester and everything, you also have a really solid view of how important brand equity is and it plays into the overall growth of the company. And maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good one. Um, brand equity is, I think the, really the first potentially most important piece across this whole funnel in that, in that aligned engine, uh, it is the promise of the brand articulated you know, through marketing. It is it, certainly in a business like ours, where, uh, we are known over the past 40 years as source advisors as trusted as a go-to, uh, for really complicated tax related issues that it's, uh, we, we de-risk a lot of the decisions our clients make. And these are very, very challenging decisions. And, uh, and, and I think in a business like ours, an industry like ours, what the brand stands for is essential. And uh, Layla Rayburn uh, and, and the team within marketing have done a, a, just a stellar job of uh, bringing to light that those inherent values of the brand. And, but, but, it, but it's critical. Uh, you know, one thing that we talk about is, you know, one of the roles we play for our clients is, um, education and, uh, for CPAs, you know, you, you, you have to maintain your, your, your CPA license through a certain number of CPEs continuing professional education. And a big part of what we do is, is to help structure CPEs for our clients so that they're getting that continuous education. And, and I mean, Steve, every day, literally every day there, there are slight changes or nuances in, in tax code and things that, you know, are, are difficult to stay in front of. And you probably, you know, just a few weeks back, there was a, an announcement about a moratorium on the employee retention credit. And what does that mean? And what are the implications of that? And, you know, and so for us, um, brand equity has meant really being a source of, of value and of importantly educational material for our clients so they can continue their growth and be in a go-to for complicated issues. And so that brand equity, that brand promise then really is moves along the funnel. And, you know, uh, as, as we reach out to clients, reaching out with something of value to, to show them or, or reveal to them or, uh, some insight we might've picked up related to their business that, that would be compelling that would maybe have them take a call. Right. And all the way through that, that, you know, funnel of our relationship and the work that we do to make sure that it's totally defensible. And, you know, we have a phrase we use, which is start right to end right. Mm. And, uh, Greg Bryant is one of our managing directors really coined that and, and from his practice within cost segregation, and it really permeates kind of the, the way we work with clients, we are going to 
we may not be the fastest you'll ever work with or the cheapest, but you know you're going to gain the best work that is totally defensible and right. We will start right to end right. And we find that that promise and, and delivering on that means a lot to our CPA clients who are, that's their life. That's their livelihood is got to be accurate. They got to be right. You know, you know, it's interesting because um, I love the start right to end right. There was a CMO that I had on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago. And because this whole conversation we're having right now started about the importance of brand equity. And she said, today's brand is tomorrow's demand. Mm. Do it yeah. right. Yeah. You know, and that's when you said start right to end right. Right. That's what I was thinking. And yes. so. And she went on to say, if we do establish that brand and the promise that you're talking about, like you're always going to have the latest and the right, you know, education and thinking in order to make sure that you're making the right, right recommendations to your clients. Right. So that takes, she said, cycles away from the sales process because the individual seller and salesperson then doesn't have to build up all of the trust as that trusted advisor, right? They come in as an organization that has built-in trust. I'm, I'm seeing you not. Is that that's absolutely right? It, it's it's air cover. It's uh, it, 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 yeah, and especially now, as you talked about earlier, with the the empowered buyer, and with with our you know B two B clients and prospective clients with more information at their fingertips than ever. Absolutely, that becomes uh, the. Yeah, I love that phrase that get, get the brand today becomes demand in the future. That's spot on. Um, and it, and I think it's not just, um, brand also, I, I think is, is, um, it's, it's across all channels. I mean, the, the brand is, you know, y yes, it's, it's online and, and it's the thought leadership and it's how you're presenting, you know, in, in a strategic way, but it's every in-person interaction. It's, it's the events that you, you put on, it's. Um, the materials that you're sending, it's it, frankly, it's even with sales folks in, in the field, yep. they are brand ambassadors, right? Uh, the way that, you know, we sell, uh, must be on brand and, and is a differentiation point, right? We, we, we talk a lot about how we differentiate how we do it as much as what we do and. Um, and that's a representation of brain too. And, and just thinking about brain all the way through the funnel, uh, it, it, it's, it's essential. Layla and I spent a lot of time, uh, she has a real passion for, for, for the brand and creating brand equity and, you know, being strategic and preemptive and, and not reactive. And, uh, it really has just done some awesome work and definitely supports the the whole funnel in terms of shortening the sales cycles and and a lot of times we'll we'll talk to a client who says you know yeah it's the first time we've spoken with you but we certainly know you right yeah. we oh, know that, who you are which yeah. is great to hear uh, so could agree that that goes back to um you would mention thought and leadership and what you were just saying there and there was a, a quote that i love i've kind of adopted it as our com company mantra um, and it, it says that content marketing solves problems, thought leadership sparks conversations, mm. right? And yeah. at the very beginning, you know, our goal here is to get earlier and earlier 
all that research that you did at Forrester and has continued the self-serve B2B buying process. They do so much research before they even ever talk to you. So our goal has to be, how do we get earlier in that journey, right, of their research and spark conversations earlier? And you don't do that by talking speeds and feeds, product features, product marketing, right? All very, very important. But if we're going to create conversations earlier in the buyer's journey, that's going to be added value, educational thought leadership content. Steve, a, a great example of that this year is um, for, for a while, o- over a year, uh, the, the R&D tax credit, which is one of our offerings that we provide clients, um, has, has been a little bit in flux because of something called 174 amortization. And, and it's created a lot of questions and confusions for really all CPAs and their clients around um, what to do with the R&D tax credit and the implications that it could have. And our position has been from the, from the start to, to focus on really helping our clients understand 174 amortization and navigating it, almost putting aside the, the deal, right? Let's don't worry about that right now. Let's, let's help our clients understand the change and the implications to this and what they need to know to protect themselves and their clients. And that was really a focus in, both in thought leadership and in conversations in the field. And as a result, the trust we built, uh, the conversations that it sparked helped us a great deal in terms of, of, of our, our relationships and some growth. Um, and, and that was, I think really at the root of that was, was just stepping out and saying, how can we help our clients with this issue? You know? Um, and so I, I, that, that, that's, I think the, the brand, you know, that we're, that we really believe in and are trying to, um, to, to grow out there is look, we're, we're here to help our clients navigate really complicated issues in an ever-changing legislative landscape, all the while with a shortage of qualified tax personnel, we are here to help. So, and that help comes in the form of the content that you share and you educate. Yep. And so I have a question for you. And this yes, wasn't sir. a question that I, that I set up beforehand. So it's a little bit of a coming in from the side. But if you could, on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to ask you to really put a, a rating on this. All right. How important is content to the overall growth and success of the business? One, it's not 10. It's vital to the overall growth and success of the business. How would you rate that and why? I would rate it at least an eight, maybe nine, uh, particularly for, for us. It, it is, it's so critical. Um, we're in a space that, that the, the client CPAs by their nature are intelligent, detail-oriented, have to get things right, you know, down to the penny, right? And so that is a key, you know, persona that, that is, is who we serve. Therefore, content, education, materials to help them be better at that are vital. And it's one of the, maybe the most important thing we can be doing. Uh, in terms of marketing, brand, you know, related activities. So very, very important. 
And now if I ask you to put on your Forrester, your old, I was at Forrester for 15 years. I was working with hundreds of B2B organizations. Yeah. Would that answer change at all? Yes. I would say most of the way, a lot of companies do not put the emphasis on that. It's probably the average company, I would say it's like one or two. Um, yeah, maybe that's changed in, since the pandemic where, you know, you, you, you needed to find new ways to engage with the client in a virtual environment. But, uh, I do think it, it is often an oversight and, and look, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to do. I mean, you need, you need qualified, at least in our, in our space, like qualified, deeply technical, like tax experts that are creating this content, you know, it can't just be a plug and play thing. And at Forrester, obviously we were a big content company. I mean, I mean, the whole business is intellectual property, playbooks, frameworks, content. So we, we lived that. And, you know, you had really brilliant analysts that spent a lot of time, you know, analyzing data and writing that content. But I think it's an oversight for a lot of companies that it, uh, and I think it's probably a missed opportunity, you know, um, and something that, that, uh, I, I certainly learned the lesson at Forrester of, of the importance of it. So if you were making a recommendation to the audience here of CROs and CEOs and CMOs that are listening, and you said there was an oversight by most of these companies, what would you be recommending to them in terms of their investment hmm. in building that brand, that expertise, the content that you're putting out on a regular basis? Yeah, I would say it, it always starts with, with who is your customer and you know, who are they? Like what, what do they need uh, to be successful and what job do they have? What, what do they have to solve for every day? What is the, what's the pain? What's the opportunity? What's the thing around the corner? Deeply, deeply know them. And then, you know, from there begin to architect, you know, content that is useful, that is applicable that helps them with a really tricky situation that, that is something that keeps them up at night. Um, and, and then put the resources and the time and the consistency behind all of it, you know, uh, don't let it be a, a thing that you, you do one quarter and maybe skip, uh, it needs to be as, as frequent as, uh, you know, any typical operational task of the company. It's just got to be embedded in the operating rhythm. Um, so I, yeah, I would, from a, from a resources perspective, I think it needs to be resourced. It needs to be dedicated, you know, individual that's focused on it. And from a, you know, investment perspective, I think it's, uh, as you said earlier, um, that ultimately will come demand. And so just having the recognition that this is not a cost center, this is something that as we invest in it, it will increase you know, demand generation and, and, and ultimately, uh, revenue. And so resource it and, and invest in it accordingly. Um, but I think it always just goes back to the, to the customer and then knowing them and, and, and don't just spray and pray, but, uh, make it really targeted, uh, so that it's useful. Well, I want to go on another hour, <laughs> but if there was, uh, I'm going to give you a choice of how to wrap this up. Either, you know, what's a, a point about the future of the B2B revenue engine that maybe we haven't touched on? Or from everything that we've talked about here, what's the takeaway that you would want us to have? Like, however you want to kind of wrap us up here. 
Yeah. I, I guess to wrap it up, I would just reiterate that whether you are in a role like a CRO role who has sales marketing customer success within your remit, or if you're a CRO that is just focused on sales, or even if you're in another part of the organization, yeah, maybe you're a, a, a sales leader, a, a regional VP, maybe you're a frontline manager, regardless of where you are, I think there's a great opportunity to use you know, influence leadership and ally yourself with your counterparts and, and work together in a collaborative way, all towards the customer to help them you know, have a better experience and to solve really complicated issues for them. Uh, there, there's great work to do there and it's the best kind of work. I think it's the work that all of us in sales and marketing probably want to do and maybe in different environments weren't given the opportunity to do, uh, but, but you can use your influence to, to lead that change. So that's one thing I, I would say. And then uh, maybe something we didn't touch on, you know, I think, I think about revenue operations a lot and, you know, it, it's, it's vital. Uh, Josh Henry is our VP of RevOps and, and was actually the first, first hire that I made when I, when I came into, to source and, you know, I just can't stress the, enough, the, the importance of that function in the alignment of this engine, having a air traffic control, having a, the infrastructure for insight, you know, if we talk about being, you know, connected and fast and customer led and all the things that you want to achieve through that alignment, it starts fake with that, with that foundation of revenue operations and, and, uh, very lucky to have a great one uh, at source. Um, so I would say that, I guess, finally, I would, I would, I would say, you know, it's interesting. It always comes down to people. It really, everything always goes back to people, um, people, leadership, personalities, uh, you know, hiring the best people you can and getting them in a room together with a unifying vision with, with voice and dignity for them so they can give you feedback and you can give the, them feedback, having enough candor to, to tell each other the truth. Um, that's where the magic is. It always circles back to people. So even if AI eventually overtakes us humans, I still have faith in the human, uh, because I think that there's something kind of, there's a magical alchemy in, in getting great people together around kind of a unifying vision. So. I love it. It, it, <laughs> if there was questions that people had and they wanted to reach out to you, would would giving them a link to your profile on LinkedIn, would that be a, a good you way to start? Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. LinkedIn and uh, my email address, eric.steel at Source Advisors, uh, would love to connect with anyone. And especially if you're our friends in the accounting space and anything that we said today jumped out and you think, gosh, I kind of need some help with some of those complicated issues, please reach out and uh, yeah, we'd love the chat. Well, thank you for coming on and, and sharing all of this. There's uh there's a lot of note-taking, I'm sure, it's, that's happening from this podcast. Oh, well, my pleasure, Steve. It's always great to talk to you. And I, I learn a lot from you every time we talk. And, uh, you know, also our friend Warren, Vena, who I can't recommend enough as well. So thank you. Thanks for all you're doing. I feel like you and Warren are yeah, we're kindred spirits and that there's a common passion around this, the revenue engine and, and you know, where this is headed. And uh, it's really great to talk to you. Well, thank you. All right. We'll, we'll have you back on soon. How about that? Awesome. So good. Thank you, Steve.